0: Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holliday and I'm spilling the tea on history. Queens of the World Three Queens of the Netherlands – Wilhelmina, Juliana and Beatrix Male preference primogeniture and Salic law have meant that most European monarchs have been men. Queen Regnants are exceedingly rare in history, but for 122 years, from 1890 to 2013, the Netherlands was reigned over by three successive queens. Wilhelmina inherited the throne after the early deaths of all three of her brothers, Juliana, because she was an only child, and Beatrix, because she was the eldest of four sisters. The queens were heroines of the First and Second World Wars and the first female billionaires. They courted controversy with their choices of husbands and friends and won the admiration of their people with their down to earth style. Let's meet the three queens of the Netherlands. Do you enjoy my videos but hate all the looking and blinking? Then check out my new podcast, History Tea Time. The first episode, A History of Royal Incest and Inbreeding, will be launching June 2nd, 2022. Check out History Tea Time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Back in 1839, Willem the Prince of Orange married his cousin, Sophie of Württemberg. They had a miserable relationship. He was a notorious womanizer and fathered dozens of children out of wedlock. He kicked and hit his servants, terrorized and humiliated courtiers, and was cruel to animals. Most people around him agreed that he was, to some degree, insane. His father, King Willem II, likely saved the monarchy from being destroyed by his tempestuous son. Shortly before his own death, he pushed through reforms to the constitution, which limited royal power. In 1849, Willem II died, and the prince became King Willem III of the Netherlands and Grand Duke of Luxembourg. The new king and queen had managed to have two sons together, Willem and Maurice. Their younger, Maurice, age six, became ill with meningitis. Queen Sophie wanted to consult another physician in the hopes of saving her child, but King Willem refused and Maurice died. Sophie blamed her husband for her son's death, and their relationship fell apart completely. But without a spare to the throne, the monarchy was vulnerable. So Willem and Sophie managed to stand each other long enough to produce one more son, Alexander, who was born a year after his brother's death. When the heir to the throne, Willem, Prince of Orange, turned 18, arrangements were considered for a marriage with Queen Victoria's second daughter, Princess Alice. But when the two met, they strongly disliked each other. Willem fell in love with Countess Matilda von Limburg styrem but royals were only allowed to marry other royals, not mere aristocrats. Additionally, it was widely believed that Matilda was one of King Willem's illegitimate children, and the idea of the future king marrying his own half-sister was abhorrent. Broken-hearted and fed up with his father, Prince Willem left the Netherlands for a life of sex, drinking, and gambling in Paris. In 1877, Queen Sophie got out of her 38 years of miserable matrimony by dying at the age of 58. She was buried in her wedding dress because, as she put it, her life had ended on the day she married. Willem was eager to get himself a young bride. He proposed to Princess Elizabeth of Saxe Weimar, Princess Pauline of Weidek and Piermont, and Princess Thura of Denmark, but they all turned him down. Willem finally got Princess Emma of Weideck and Pirmont to agree to marry him. She did so out of a sense of duty to her parents rather than any affection for the old king. Willem was 62 years old and Emma 21 when they wed in 1879. She had a calming effect on the cantankerous king. Just a few months after the wedding, word came from Paris that Willem, Prince of Orange, had died. His debauched lifestyle took a heavy toll and he succumbed to typhus, liver disease, and exhaustion at the age of 38. His younger brother, 28-year-old Alexander, thus became Prince of Orange and heir to the throne. He was far more disciplined, intellectual, and well-read than his brother, and hopes were high for his reign. Plans to get him married were hastened, but negotiations for the hand of Princess Tora of Denmark and Enfanta Marie-Anne of Portugal fell through. One year after her wedding, Queen Emma gave birth to her only child, a daughter named Wilhelmina. Four years later, Alexander, Prince of Orange, died suddenly at the age of 32. Though he had lived a very different lifestyle from his brother, he also died of typhus. All three of King Willem III's sons were now dead, and none of them had produced a legitimate offspring. The only child left was four-year-old Wilhelmina, but she was not yet made the heir. At the time, the Netherlands' succession laws were salic and heavily favored men. The ailing king Willem gave up hope that his young wife would give birth to a son. He ordered the constitution to be changed so that his daughter could inherit his throne. He died three years later at the age of 73. Wilhelmina became the first Queen Regnant of the Netherlands on November 23, 1890, at the age of 10. Salic Law remained in Luxembourg, so that throne went instead to her cousin Adolphe. Wilhelmina had a happy childhood and held fond memories of her father, who had mellowed considerably by the time of her birth. Her mother, Dowager Queen Emma, acted as her regent. She did a remarkable job, especially considering the chaos her husband had left behind. Emma met personally with every government minister at least twice a month. She strictly adhered to the rules of the constitutional monarchy and didn't throw her royal weight around, as her husband had done but she was able to use her built-up goodwill and soft hand to get her way on the issues she cared about. Queen Emma took great interest in her daughter's education and carefully prepared her to take over as sovereign. She took Vilhelmina on tours through the provinces to visit local charities, hospitals, churches, and factories and meet her subjects. At 15, Wilhelmina visited Queen Victoria of the UK, the only other queen regnant in Europe at the time. Victoria wrote in her diary, the young queen still has her hair hanging loose. She is slender and graceful and makes an impression of a very intelligent, very cute girl. She speaks good English and knows how to behave with charming manners. Six days after her 18th birthday, Wilhelmina was sworn in as ruling queen at Kerk in Amsterdam. Her mother had instilled in her a good understanding of her position and of politics, but she also had a streak of her father's strong will. She wasn't shy about speaking and acting her mind, but she was far more popular with the people than her father had ever been. She expressed disdain towards the British for their annexation of the Transvaal Republic and the Orange Free State during the Boer Wars in South Africa. The Boers were descended from Dutch colonists. The Queen sent a warship to rescue Paul Kruger, the President of the South African Republic. At 21, Queen Wilhelmina married German Duke Henry of Mecklenburg-Schwerin, he was made a prince of the Netherlands. As with most European royal houses, the husband of a queen regnant is not given the title king, so that he will not outrank his wife. Though the couple were initially very much in love, their relationship disintegrated after the honeymoon. Henry was a philanderer and fathered at least one child out of wedlock. Wilhelmina experienced tragedy in her own quest to become a mother. Nine months after the wedding, she suffered a miscarriage. The next year, she gave birth to a premature, stillborn son. Four years later, another miscarriage followed. The queen's most likely successor, if she died without an heir, was her cousin, Prince Heinrich the 32nd, Royce of Kostritz. He had a close association with Kaiser Wilhelm and the German imperial family. The Dutch feared that if he became king, the Netherlands would be absorbed by the German Empire. Wilhelmina was under great pressure to give birth to a healthy child. And finally, on April 30th, 1909, after 8 years of marriage, Princess Juliana was born the Netherlands let out a collective sigh of relief and rejoicing. The princess formed a close bond with her mother. The queen suffered two further miscarriages, and Juliana remained her only surviving child. In the early 19-teens, Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany was angling to start a big fight in Europe. When Queen Wilhelmina came for a state visit, he thought he could intimidate her by telling her, my guards are seven feet tall and yours only shoulder high to them. The queen smiled politely and replied, quite true, your majesty, your guards are seven feet tall, but when we open our dikes, the water is ten feet deep. She would not be bullied into siding with the Kaiser, and when World War I broke out in 1914, the Netherlands remained neutral. But the Dutch couldn't stay completely out of the war so many of their neighbors were fighting the Allies included the Netherlands in their blockade, intercepted all Dutch ships and restricted imports to ensure that goods could not reach Germany. So shortages, rationing, and hunger took hold of the Netherlands. After the war and in the wake of the Russian Revolution, civil unrest gripped the Netherlands. Socialist leader Pieter Trulstra wanted to abolish the government and monarchy. But Queen Wilhelmina was popular with the working class. She and Princess Juliana rode through the streets in an open carriage, and were cheered on by massive crowds, and the socialist movement failed to gain momentum. Kaiser Wilhelm escaped to the Netherlands and sought political asylum. The Allies pressured Queen Wilhelmina to hand him over, but she lectured them on the rights of asylum. The Queen had a keen mind for business, and she built her nation into an economic power. She created funds to promote employment and industrial development, and supported the Zaudersee Works, a massive hydraulic engineering project which improved flood protection for the nation which is almost entirely under sea level, and reclaimed vast amounts of land that had been underwater. Wilhelmina used her inherited wealth to make wise investments, especially in the booming United States economy. She became the world's first female billionaire. Queen Mother Emma continued to be popular until her death in 1934, age 75. On May 10th, 1940, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands. King George VI of the UK sent a warship to rescue the Dutch royal family. The Netherlands had no choice but to surrender and be occupied by the Nazis. The Queen took charge of the Dutch government in exile in London. She sent radio messages home to encourage her people and called Adolf Hitler the arch enemy of mankind. Her late-night broadcasts were eagerly awaited by her people, who had to hide to listen to them illegally. Photographs of the Queen became a sign of resistance to German occupation. Churchgoers in the small fishing village of Hause rose and sang the Dutch national anthem on the Queen's birthday, and the town was fined 60,000 guilders by the Germans. Prime Minister Winston Churchill described the Dutch Queen as the only real man among the government in exile. During the Blitz, the Queen's home in England was bombed. Several of her guards were killed, and she narrowly escaped with her life. In 1945, after the Netherlands was liberated, Queen Wilhelmina and Princess Juliana returned home to cheering and relieved crowds. The Queen encouraged the economic recovery of her country. She traveled through the countryside to motivate people, often on a bicycle. By 1948, the 68-year-old Queen's health was failing. Her daughter encouraged her to remain on the throne until her Diamond Jubilee in 1950. But when the Dutch colony of Indonesia declared independence, she decided that ruling was too much strain. She abdicated after a reign of 57 years, the longest in Dutch history. She retired to Hetlo Palace and continued to make public appearances in support of her daughter. She wrote her autobiography, Lonely But Not Alone. Queen Wilhelmina died of cardiac arrest in 1962, age 82. She was interred at Neue Kerk. And according to her request, her funeral was all in white rather than black as she believed earthly death was the beginning of eternal life. When she was 6, her mother set up a classroom at Nordeinde Palace so that the princess could be educated along with children her own age. Her education was accelerated to be sure that she was ready to take the throne by 18 if she had to. After celebrating her 18th birthday, her mother installed her in the Council of State. That same year, the princess enrolled in the University of Leiden. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in international law. Queen Wilhelmina had high expectations for her future son-in-law. He must be royal and Protestant, a difficult prospect after so many monarchies had fallen after World War I. Many prospects from the UK and Sweden either declined or were turned down by Juliana. While attending the 1936 Winter Olympics in Bavaria, she met Prince Bernhard of Lippe-Bisterfeld, who was her seventh cousin. Her mother agreed to the match and the couple were wed after he signed an extensive prenup. The marriage was not popular with the Dutch, who distrusted the Germans as Adolf Hitler was taking over their country. Bernard changed the spelling of his name from German to Dutch and became a citizen of the Netherlands. During World War II, Juliana took her two young daughters, Beatrix and Irene, first to London and then on to Ottawa, Canada, where they would be out of harm's way. When her third child was born, her room at Ottawa Civic Hospital was made extraterritorially part of the Netherlands so that the baby would have Dutch citizenship and therefore be eligible for the throne. This would have been especially important if the baby had been a boy and thus surpassed his sisters to become next in line to the throne. But instead, she gave birth to a third daughter, Marguerite, Queen Wilhelmina and Prince Bernard, who had remained in London to run the government in exile, traveled to Canada for the baby's baptism. The princess's warmth and friendliness towards her Canadian house and down-to-earth style created a lasting bond which was reinforced when Canadian soldiers fought and died by the thousands to liberate the Netherlands from the Nazis. After the war, Juliana expressed her gratitude by sending 100,000 tulip bulbs to the city of Ottawa. She jumped in to help the Netherlands recover from the decimation of the war, particularly the northern part of the country which had suffered starvation during the hunger winter of 1944-45. She was active as the president of the Dutch Red Cross. Juliana and Bernard's love survived their long separation during the war years and his extramarital affairs and illegitimate children. In 1947, the couple had a fourth child. During her final pregnancy, Juliana contracted rubella. Her daughter Christina was born with cataracts and was completely blind in one eye. By 1948, Queen Wilhelmina was suffering ill health and decided to retire. Juliana became queen at the age of 39. Rather than her majesty, she preferred to be addressed as mevrouw, Dutch for missus. The queen appeared in public frequently, wearing normal clothes to visit social institutions and schools. Like her mother, she was often spotted riding a bicycle. In 1953, the Netherlands was hit by the most destructive storm in 500 years. 1,800 people drowned and tens of thousands were left homeless. Queen Juliana waded through the mud and provided food, clothing, and comfort to her people, forever endearing herself to them. The queen was desperate to find a way to cure her daughter's blindness. She came under the influence of faith healer Greet Hoffmanns, whom her husband and doctors warned her was a scam artist. Hoffmann's influence on the queen pushed her further towards religious fanaticism and caused the public to question the queen's competence. Prince Bernhard formed a faction of supporters and attempted to force his wife to abdicate the throne. The Prime Minister resolved the crisis by banishing Hofmanns from court. Bernhard planned to divorce his wife, but decided against it when, as he put it, he found out that the woman still loved him advances in medical technology eventually helped princess christina regain much of her eyesight with the aid of thick glasses she was able to attend school and even ride a bicycle she was a happy and gifted child with a talent for languages and music The marriage of the Queen's two eldest daughters again caused major controversy. First, Irene secretly converted to Catholicism and eloped with Prince Carlos Hugo of Bourbon, Duke of Parma. He was a claimant to the throne of Spain, which was under fascist rule at the time. With German oppression still fresh in the minds of the Dutch, hostility erupted against the monarchy for allowing the marriage to happen many called for the Queen's abdication. Two years later, Princess Beatrix's choice of groom sparked protests in the street, but we'll get to that in a minute. In both cases, Queen Juliana's years of built-up goodwill helped to preserve the monarchy. In 1973, Queen Juliana celebrated her 25-year Silver Jubilee. She donated all of the money raised by the National Silver Jubilee Committee to organizations for children in need throughout the world. In 1975, a group of Indonesian revolutionaries stole a truck and attempted to ram the gates of Sustaik Palace and kidnap the Queen. Prince Bernard was found to have accepted a $1 million bribe to influence the Dutch government's purchase of fighter aircraft. He was disgraced and forced to resign as Inspector General of the Armed Forces. On April 30, 1980, her 71st birthday, Queen Juliana abdicated in favor of her daughter, Beatrix. The retired queen remained active in charitable causes until the mid-1990s when she began to suffer from Alzheimer's disease. Queen Juliana died on March 20, 2004 at the age of 94. She was interred beside her mother in the royal vault under Neue Kerk. Prince Bernard died nine months later and was placed beside her. Beatrix was born on January 31, 1938. She was two when her mother and sister fled the Nazis and she spent the next five years in Ottawa, Canada. Back in the Netherlands after the war, Beatrix was enrolled in public primary school. The princess attended Leiden University where she was active in the female students union. She graduated with a law degree in 1961. In 1965, it was announced that the 27-year-old princess would marry German diplomat Klaus von Amsberg. The Dutch were outraged as Klaus had been a member of the Nazi youth and was drafted into the German army during World War II. The couple's wedding sparked rioting in the streets. Smoke bombs were thrown at their golden carriage, and a battle broke out between protesters and police. No one called for Queen Yuliana to abdicate, as that would have made Beatrix the object of everyone's wrath the new monarch. But the value of having a monarchy at all was called into question. In 1967, the fervor was quieted when the nation celebrated the birth of the couple's first child, Willem Alexander, the first male Dutch royal baby since the birth of Prince Alexander 116 years earlier. The couple had two more sons, Friso and Constantine. In 1970, Beatrix began to prepare more intensively for her future as head of state. She made numerous trips abroad, including a controversial visit to the Soviet Union. After her father's acceptance of a million-dollar bribe caused his disgrace, Beatrix and Klaus began to examine and plan reforms in the royal household. On April 30, 1980, Queen Juliana abdicated and Beatrix was sworn in and inaugurated as Queen. In 1983, the succession laws of the Netherlands were changed so that the throne now passes by absolute primogeniture. This means that the monarch's eldest child, regardless of gender, will inherit the throne. After her mother's folksiness, Beatrix is seen as far more reserved and formal. In 1988, on Queen's Day, a man called out to the Queen, Give us a kiss, girl! She obliged with a hug and two kisses. A photograph of the embrace was widely published and greatly enhanced her popularity with the common people. The encounter was most likely staged with that purpose in mind. In 2002, Prince Klaus died after a long illness. During his 37 years at Beatrix's side, he went from loathed to one of the most loved members of the Dutch royal family. His passing was widely mourned. In 2009, a man intentionally crashed his car into a parade in an attempt to harm the royal family. Five people were killed instantly and several more were seriously injured. The royals were unharmed but saw the horrific attack up close. Beatrix made a televised address later that day expressing her shock and condolences. In 2012, the queen's second son, Friso, was buried in an avalanche while skiing. He suffered massive brain damage due to lack of oxygen, and lived in a coma for 18 months. His mother and his wife Mabel visited him daily, but he died in 2013, age 44. In 2013, Queen Beatrix announced her intentions to abdicate and place the responsibility for the country in the hands of a new generation. On April 30th, 2013, after 33 years on the throne, Beatrix handed it to her son, Willem Alexander, who is the current monarch of the Netherlands. Beatrix, now in her 80s, continues to undertake some royal duties and is patron of many charitable organizations. King Willem Alexander and his wife, Argentinian Queen Maxima, have three daughters. So after the interlude of a king, the Netherlands will once again have a queen. The eldest daughter, Katharina Amalia, was born in 2003. Her younger sisters are Alexia and Ariana. Katharina Amalia is the first woman to be granted the title Princess of Orange, as she was the first royal heir to be born since absolute primogeniture was instated. The princess attends public secondary school near Houstenbosch Palace in The Hague where she lives with her family. She enjoys horseback riding, hockey, singing and playing the piano. Once King Willem Alexander is ready to retire, Katarina Amalia will most likely become the fourth Queen Regnant of the Netherlands. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. I'll be putting out new episodes every Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos, unburying some of my favorite hidden gems, and adding even more fascinating information for your listening pleasure. Want some visuals with your history? Then check out my YouTube channel, History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, where you can find hundreds of videos about queens of the world, royal history, women's history, and more. You can also follow History Tea Time on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows, like Queen's Podcast, Ancient History Fangirl, Redacted History, and more. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.